finally made it and we are here. So I'm excited. Okay. If, you're, if, if you're good to go, I'm good to go. I'm good. I'm good. By the way, what do you want me to call you on this podcast here? Uh, <laughs> what name you are you going by these days? <laughs> I know, right? I do. You know, same thing. I do. I was trying to people be out here calling you different names. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, who are we talking about? No. So what it is, so when Tiffany gets very, very serious with me, that's when she calls me Justin. Why? Uh, Why does she do that? We got to stop her. I'm going to tell her. I'm going to correct her next time she does that then. Now that I, I, I think I have your permission. So I'm yes. going to stop her in the future. No, no, listen, absolutely. Well, look, we are here. We are live. Welcome to the season finale of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. I mean, this has truly been a dynamic session. Um, and thank you so much to my partners over at the American Advertising Federation for partnering with us for season two. It has been extraordinary. And I am excited to dive into our final conversation of the season 10 episodes can you believe it i don't know how we did it but we did it um on today's episode we are ending with bozma saint john and you know i have to tell you boz um it's so funny because your 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 team sent over two bios for you they sent over the the short bio and they sent over the long bio and i was like no, there's too much greatness here. So people better buckle on in because I'm about to read this long bio. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Give me all my flowers. Give me all my listen, flowers. Listen, I, I'm about to read all of it. So here we go. Um, Bose got her start in marketing at Spike Lee's advertising agency, Spike DDB. She then went on to manage brands within the PepsiCo beverage portfolio before head of um before becoming the head of music and entertainment uh, marketing at the CPG Giant, uh, followed by head of global consumer marketing at Apple Music and iTunes, and then went on to serve as chief brand officer at Uber before taking on the CMO role for Endeavor, and most recently is the former CMO of Netflix. Bose has been recognized for her breakthrough work by both the industry and her peers, rightfully so. I mean, come on now, we gotta, we gotta give both her flowers now. Mm -hmm. And her career has been marked by the induction into the Advertising Federation Hall of Achievement 2014, which is why we're talking today. Billboard's Women in Music Hall of Fame 2018, also 2020, as well as recognition on the Hollywood Reporter's Women in Entertainment Power 100 list, Forbes, world's most influential CMOs list. Bose has been featured on the cover of Adweek, one of the most exciting personalities in advertising, and I'm gonna say the world, and on a list ranging from Fast Company as well as Ad Age, most creative people to Ebony's 100 powerful executives, Black Enterprise, most powerful women in business, Fortune's most influential CMOs, Business Insider, 25 chief marketing officers to watch. Um, in 2000, <laughs> I tell these people, buckle on in. Listen, buckle on in. Here we go. In 2021, uh, Bose was appointed to the Board of Trustees for Wesleyan University. And I think that while all of those accolades and accomplishments um, are amazing, uh, she cites that her greatest accomplishment is being a mother. Originally from Ghana, immigrant to Colorado Springs, adopted daughter of New York, Hey, friend to the world, Bose. Welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. How are you doing? Oh, man, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm doing really great. I mean, look, 
sometimes I feel like, you know, sometimes you just need to pause, you know, and look mm -hmm. back and say, I've come a long way. You know, I've come a long way. You get so wrapped up in like the daily things, you know, the projects you need to complete, the emails you need to return, the worry about the future that uh, I don't know that we pause enough to, yeah. to look back and see how far we've come. So thank you for allowing me that moment to, to just see how far I've come. Oh, yeah, listen, I mean, see how far you come, and I'm going to take you way back. I mean, we're talking about it's nothing but a bold thing, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you know, if you know, but um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. So look, we're going to start with a little quick rapid fire, if that's okay with you. Nothing yeah. too hard to put too much thought in, but I just want you to, I just want you to complete these sentences, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so here we go. First one, Ghana is. Woo, magic. Whew, I like that. You believe in? The source. Mmm, I love that. Fashion is? Mmm, my adornment. Okay, we'll take that, we'll take that. Black people must? Mmm, rise. <laughs> rise, rise, for sure. You want to thank? Oh, my mama. Oh, I love that. We love mom. We love mom. The person you want to be the most proud of you is? Ah, oh, my daughter. Your daughter. I love that. And let's go to a fun one because I know, I know you're into the tunes. If you dropped a mixtape today, what would it be called? Ooh. Well, I'm going to use the, the title of my favorite song. It would be called Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Ooh, I love that. Classic. We love Paul Simon here. Right. My, uh, yeah. my my parents rocked the hell out of that album. I know what I know. I go, here we go. Oh my God, I love it so much. Look, both. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, we've been talking to a lot of your friends and with each episode, it's a dose of different things. So, I mean, we mm -hmm. had Jason White on the show. We had Tiffany R. Warren. We had Dane Scotty. And everybody, Christina, um, Christina Powell, Jay Powell, and yeah. what we've been doing with each individual is that we've been talking about a dose of something that really contributes to their excellence. So that's a mm. dose of empathy, a dose of strategy, a dose of beauty, authenticity. Mm. Um, when me and the team were thinking about what could we call this show, we actually are calling it a dose of bows because you have redefined uh, not only a, a new lane within advertising and marketing, but a mm. way to live. How would you describe a dose of bows? Ooh, wow. Well, first of all, that's that's kind of dope. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Let's pause on that one. That was really good. Um, how I describe that? Well, you know, I think the word uh, unapologetic is thrown around so easily, mm -hmm. you know, as if it is casual, you know, as if you just get up and do it, you mm -hmm. know, but being unapologetic requires action. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not passive. It is not just a way of being, it's a way of acting. You know, and so if I think of a dose of that, it's really what I am. I'm unapologetic. I'm unapologetic in, in everything. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just in my blackness and therefore being able to show up in my full blackness. I'm unapologetic about where I've come from. Yeah. Therefore, when I, when I produce work, you're going to see my fingerprints on it because I have nothing to be ashamed of. I don't think it should be watered down. I don't think anybody else should feel comfortable in it. It's mine. Mm -hmm. And so why not? Why shouldn't it be celebrated? 
I'm unapologetic in my own intuition. Now, I don't need proof. I don't need anybody else to tell me that, oh, well, you should go and do this, or you should go and do that, or what about this, what about that? No, if I feel it, yeah, then that's it. Yeah. You know, so that unapologetic behavior is not a hashtag, it's not cute. It can be very scary and it can also be very lonesome. Mm-hmm. So if there's a dose in anything, it's a, it's a dose of, of being unapologetic. I love it. A dose of being unapologetic. I'm with it. And I think throughout that, that's kind of been um, what you have lived by is being unapologetic um, to not only taking care of yourself, running a business, um, motherhood, life in general. Yeah. Can you give people a peek behind the curtain of how you balance so much and being able to do it? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe that's that's the the underlying current, right? Is that I really don't try to subscribe to anybody else's rules. And again, mm-hmm. that's something I think we say all the time, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do my da-da-da. No, I was literally having a conversation with a friend over um when I was actually just in Ghana, uh, and I was oh, having this I'm conversation. So jealous. I'm so jealous. I haven't been. Mm-hmm. I just got to drop that in there. Just drop that in there real quick. <laughs> but I was having a, a conversation with a friend, and um, he was saying, you know, that he's at the sort of at the you know beginnings of his career, right? Uh, his has had some good accomplishments, um, but he felt that he needed to, you know, just abide by some of the societal rules in order to get to the next step so that he can, you know, become more successful. Mm. And I thought to myself, I was like, gosh, do I, do I break it to him? You know, do I tell him that actually that's the opposite of success? That's actually not how you become successful, by following the rules. Ooh. You know, by subscribing to somebody else's definition of what you're supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. they say, ah, well, you know what? If you just, you know, show up and say a few words in the meeting, that will let people see that, you know, you're actually brilliant. Well, what in the hell are you saying? You know, heard actually something brilliant coming out your mouth or are you just talking to talk? Because actually it's going to make you sound stupid. Yeah. You know, are you, um, you know, toning down your voice because you've heard that leaders speak more like this, more deliberately? Well, you know what? Sometimes I'm damn excited. And <laughs> close up. Yeah. You know? And I get frustrated and my voice drops really low and mm-hmm. it can sound aggressive. You know, and if I were to think about the balance of my life, there would be a lot of criticism, right? Because it doesn't, I don't subscribe to what the what our like our humanity and our communities and our society deems to be the right balance, right? Mm-hmm. Look, I don't go to all of the games that my daughter plays. Oh. I don't bake, I don't bake the cookies. You know? Um I barely watch a kids movie, okay? <laughs> Let's just be all honest about it. Yeah. You know, but do I think I am being the best mother to my child? I'm fucking rude. I yeah. am. You know, and do I think that I am uh doing the right things by my work? Well, I'm sure to some people they'd be like, oh well she needs to focus more on this thing or that thing. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna do it all. And I'm going to do it on my terms. Uh-huh. And so the balance for me is simply on my terms. Again, very unapologetic about that. I'm like, look, this life is mine. It is not yours. It is not the person who came before me. It's not the person who came after me. It is mine. And so I have to live by what makes me feel the best. And that for me is the striking the balance. And it could change. You know, I'm not the person I was five years ago. 
And so whatever felt like balance then would probably feel really restrictive now. So you have to constantly do a recheck, you know, to make sure that your own balance is right for you, not based on anybody else's desires, designs, or ambitions. Yeah. I love it. What does uh, Charlamagne say? Drop, drop one of Clues bombs for Bose. Boom. We'll, we'll add it. We'll add it to. We'll add it to the show. And I mean, I love. I love what you're saying because I. I feel like um, through that, through you living on your own terms by doing mm -hmm. what you want to do, you have so many different um, quotes and things that I, I kind of think that you have not only put out in the universe but also just stand by. You know, mm -hmm. I have these things which I have coined as a doisms. Um, and I don't know what you call your quotes. Maybe they're Boisms. But listen, I was looking for quotes from you. And I'm not sure if anybody out there is familiar with like brainy, brainy quotes. But um, they actually have your quotes on the site. Now, for the people at home listening, let me give you some context here, OK? This is the same place that big brands go to find quotes to you know, post for these cultural moments at times. Or high school students are looking for quotes among the lights of Martin Luther King, Princess Diana. Prince, Barack Obama, and Bozma St. John quotes are on here, okay? So there were four that stood out, and I would love for you to um, decode them a little bit for us. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we're going to pull we're gonna pull one out of uh, Jay-Z's book, uh, Decode, one of my favorite. All right, here's the first one. Also, too, you can let me know if you say, adieu, I did not say that, or adieu. <laughs> now, that would be really funny. I'd be like, I said that? I don't think I said it. No, 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 this is the first one. So here we go. Okay. Pop culture and entertainment can be dismissed as surface, but it's not. It's the language we all speak, and it's the connection point between people all over the world. How mm -hmm. can, you, can you decode that one for us? Yes, I did say that. <laughs> but I said that because um, you know, when I started my career over 20 years ago. Um, pop culture was seen as like the flighty thing, you know, it was like not the important thing. Nobody wants to pay attention to it. You know, if you loved it or you tried to infuse it into your work, uh, people would dismiss it as, you know, not smart, not, in, you know, just not intelligent. I, mm -hmm. I still remember those reviews where people were like, ah, oh, Bose, you got to get more into the data. If you don't know the data, you'll never be a leader in marketing and advertising. Never. You know, and I was always drawn to pop culture because I understood that language and because I'd seen it work already. You know, so as we've already mentioned, my parents are from Ghana originally. Um, when I moved to the U.S., uh, I was 12. Now, we'd lived in a bunch of countries before that, but finally settled in Colorado Springs, Colorado, when I was 12. And of course, now I can better articulate what happened to me then, but it is why I believe this so, so fully about pop culture connecting people. Because here I was, you know, in October, uh, dropped into Colorado Springs. There's, you know, snow oh, and snow. Sure, sure it's cold, yeah. Look. It was cold and there was lots of white people around. And, um, you know, they were all into, you know, the NFL because it was like John Elway days. And, uh, you know, the music was a little different from what I what I had already understood. You know, the films I had no idea about, et cetera. Right. In order to connect to people, in order for them to understand that I also had value, I had to understand the things that they liked. I had to understand the things that were happening in culture you know, that could connect us so that they could see that, oh, well, I'm not so strange, right? Because if I know and reference the things that you're talking about, perhaps then you'll listen to things I'm talking about, you mm -hmm. know? So yes, of course, I can talk about John Elway all day and also talk about Pele in the other football, you know? Yeah. I can talk about, um, you know, Paula Abdul. I can talk about Alpha Blondie, 
You know, like I can talk about the designers who create um, all kinds of looks here based on the fabrics and the intricacies of fashion in Ghana. You know, those types of things connect people. They are universal. And by the way, there are no borders to those things. I mean, we can see it now, right? Of course, pop culture is now being lauded everywhere as the connector of all things. Yeah. Well, yeah, I said it. I said it. I take the credit for it. You know, that's what connects us. And so I believe it very firmly that if we were to find a universal language, it would actually be through pop culture. Uh, I love it. Beautifully said. You know, speaking of universal language, our words have a lot of power. And um, one of the other quotes that you mentioned is, um, I believe in manifesting the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm very careful with what I say because the intention is then out in the universe. Mm -hmm. Yes, I said that too. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I wish we would all be more intentional. Yeah. In we say, especially over our own lives. You know, it's it's uh, that that idea that if you say you can't do it, then you won't do it, right? If you mm -hmm. manifest the thing that you want, well, it's probably because you told yourself that you can. You mm -hmm. know, I also believe very firmly that the inputs that come into us are equally as powerful for manifestation. You know, it's like that's why you've got to be careful about the people who are around you. Now, everybody who loves you is not actually setting the right intention for you. You know, they might be instilling fear into your life because they haven't done the thing that you are dreaming of doing. And no, they're not doing it because they hate you. They're not doing it because they want you to fail. They're doing it because they're afraid. And that fear is, is covered in love. You know, so you've got to be able to really understand and penetrate that idea in order to unwrap it and say, ah, I know why they're saying that thing, because they're afraid afraid for themselves, afraid for me, but then boom, you got to give them a stiff arm and keep it moving. And so yeah, I give them the Fox. Yeah, that, okay. Look, bomb. Okay. Like the thing is that like these words are so powerful. They will either sow in words of affirmation, uh, mm -hmm. completion, you know, desires that you, you want to achieve, or they'll stop you from doing the thing that you want to do. And it can come from you or it can come from somebody else. So knowing that power is really important. I love it. And, you know, like I said, all these are connected. Okay, so I, okay, so you know what? Let's shout out Brainy Quote, because I think they did a good job. I mean, they got him down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they got Gandhi on there. I saw both. I'm like, okay, this is, you're in good company. Let me just tell you that much, okay? Okay. I, I belong there. You do, absolutely. And the one talking about fear is I think that a lot of people are afraid of taking a risk. My last quote that I would love for you to de-quote, um, de oh, that's a new one, but decode is risk is the essence of any reward mm -hmm. to try the thing that no one else is willing to try. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I said that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. You know, I, um, it's interesting. I, I think we all know that. You know, we all know that. I think intellectually we know that, but we don't use our bodies. We don't put our bodies in harm's way in order to do that. It's very human of us, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. to like not walk towards anything that will put us at risk. You know, it's like some, some people call it a sixth sense. Some people say it's like the vibes. You know, sometimes the vibes actually will lie to you. And so you've got to also understand, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about what are the inputs that are coming in? Your vibes might be off. Are your vibes right? Are your own vibes right? Can you trust your own gut? Can you trust your own intuition? And therefore, if you can, then you'll understand where the edge of your risk is and then step a little bit past that 
you know, in order to actually achieve the thing that you want. Because without doing that, you'll always be in your comfort zone. You know, and, and where is the growth? Then there's no growth. It's like, look, unless you are willing to move past the thing that really, really scares you, to understand that there's actually no boogeyman there, you know, yeah. shine the light on it and say, oh, okay, look, there's nothing there. And guess what? Here's the other thing. And this I have learned through failure, you know, which, you know, look, all of us are afraid to fall. That's the whole point about risk is like, you don't want to fall down. You don't want to fail. But I have confidence now because I have failed enough times <laughs> that I know that I will always get up. I have complete confidence in that. And so when something happens, I'm not as worried as maybe the next person would be like, oh, this is the disaster. The sky is falling. Ah, they go running, you know, try to get back into a comfort place. I'm not doing that because I'm like, oh, I fell before. That joint really hurt last time. It's not even that bad. Yeah. That's that's the point. So, yes, risk is good for us because it actually allows us to to reap the, the biggest reward. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, this is amazing. For people just listening at home, you heard it here first. Um, I want to actually take take you back um, a little bit to uh, Wesleyan. Uh, I know that you're uh, an alum. Um, yeah. And I always say that my callers and uh, individuals listening range from individuals that are in the grind of grad school to senior level uh, executives that want to jump into C-suite to sweet C-suite individuals that are trying to figure out, okay, what is the dude talking about? What is the dude doing? What disruption is he up to? Right. <laughs> um, but going back to uh, just college, how do you feel like that experience really informed or shaped um, like your early years within the mm -hmm. marketing and um, advertising industry? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a really interesting question because um, when I went to college, I was pre-med. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents, you know, shout out to immigrants, um, you know, were, yeah, they were pretty adamant that uh, I become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, very typical, right? Or, or an accountant or something. Yeah. And coming from Colorado Springs, Colorado, as a black girl who excelled at the sciences and math, it was like almost predetermined. People were like, oh, of course. I'd also, just to be extra nerdy about it, had taken Latin through four years of high school, you know? So I was well on my way. And so, yeah, of course. And when I got to college, it was like, yes, I signed up for the full course code of my pre-med um, major. But then I was really called into the arts. You know, I had always loved, as we talked about before, you know, pop culture and music and fashion and all of these things. And it had become a habit for me to be able to connect that way, you know, to people. So even though I was carrying my full course load of pre-med, I was also in Ujima, which was the, you know, black student organization. And we, you know, threw the parties and we had the, you know, like the poetry slams and we yeah, had yeah. the speeches, yeah, that we invited people to come and talk and preach a word to us. You know, I was in AFAM 101 where we read Du Bois and, you know, Nikki Giovanni and of course, Toni Morrison, my fave, you yeah. know, and I, um, by the way, Lin-Manuel Miranda was uh, two years behind me and, no and I would throw the after parties for his, you know, his plays on campus. Like I was drawn very much into the arts, you know, and how to communicate to people about something that was larger, a concept, an idea that was larger. Uh, mm -hmm. And then also in the grind and the details. And so by the time I graduated, it really was like two paths, you know, that that very, um, I would say like almost standard thing where you're just like, you got you got a fork in the road. You know, you go to the left, you go to the right. Where are you going? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, 
the fork of going towards uh, or the path of going towards med school seemed the safest. Mm. You know, but I knew that wasn't where my heart was. And so deciding then to take a break, you know, go to New York, yeah. <laughs> adopted city, you know, and try my hand at, at what could be was a really, really big risk. Um, but I learned in my college experience that, you know, I'm really capable of doing whatever it is that I want. Like there, mm -hmm. I don't have limits, you know? So yes, I can, you know, yes, I can, I can translate Latin easily and I can do the math problem pretty quickly. And I can also sing, dance and, you know, work my way into a party. And yeah. so the confidence of, of understanding my abilities. And then by the way, I do, this is like also the things that I was not also good at, right? Mm -hmm being able to understand those those boundaries uh it's what actually has set me up for the for literally the rest of my career right because there hasn't yet been a place and there won't be where mm -hmm. i walk in and think hmm this is too tough i don't know this space like how can i no i just pull on experiences that i've had you know and apply them to that new area and that new space so i think for all of us you know, and this is why I'm saying this unapologetic behavior, right? Which is just like, look, your experiences are so valuable. They're so rich. Nobody said that, like, you just need to apply your business school, you know, lessons to the career you have. Why can't you pull from when you were five? Why can't you pull from the playground? Why can't you pull from that party you were at where you were trying to kick it to that girl? Like, why can't you pull all of these things to make your career and your life that much richer? You know, we have those experiences and we shouldn't be ashamed of where the source is from. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I love it. You know, um, that I feel like that early experience in just your life in general is something that um, the people are excited to hear about. I know that you are in the process of writing your first book, um, The Urgent Life, a story of love, grief and survival. Um, I just want to say one congratulations, um, huge feat. And I'm super, super excited because there is no press headline. There is no social media post of 240 characters. There is nothing that's going to be able to express your story like you. Mm -hmm. So I am excited to hear it, read it and receive it because I think that's going to be, um, the realest story today. Uh, <laughs> today, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that writing in general is just super therapeutic. Um, and I hope that it's been an amazing journey for you. But can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned about yourself um, through writing the book? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think this is why it's so important to listen to yourself, right? Um, that there are so many people who can input and want you to do things. And, you know, it's easily, you could easily be swayed. Um, mm -hmm. I've been asked to write this book for at least a decade. <laughs> yeah. Easily, easily a decade. And it has never felt right. You know, never felt right. Um, it didn't feel right, not because I didn't have a story to tell or I didn't think I had the talent or the time. I mean, because look, who has the time? You know, who has the time to write? Yeah. Uh, but right now feels like the right time in my life, you know, to reflect back on how I was able to survive, you know, come through so many of these experiences that I've had that have um, led me to this point, you know, because for me, it's like, look, the, um, the idea that a career or professional accolades, you know, all the things that you read at the top, 
um, is somehow separate from the personal is just not true. You know, I'm not two different people. I'm one person. The experience is together. It's just, it's just one experience. And so I can't really tell my career story without telling my personal story, you know, the things that I've been through. And it was really important to me to um, also set sort of the table for everything else that will come, because this is not my last book. I plan to write more books. Oh, so there can't be another book that doesn't start with how I have come to this place. You know, this idea of living urgently. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been my mantra now for quite some time, and it felt like I needed to write it down. Why is that? How did I learn that? And why is it important to you? You know, why would it be important to your life? And for me, the lessons that I've learned through grief and through survival are actually why I'm so optimistic about life. Why mm -hmm. I think that life shouldn't be lived quietly, you know, or fearfully, that it makes me want to do more. It makes me want to live intentionally. And so I hope that that's what comes through in the book. Oh man, I'm, I'm super excited for you. Um, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I'm not gonna do it. I'm like, I'm like when's the release date? <laughs> the pre-order in i'm trying to get it in before it gets sold out so just, yeah. just shoot me a text or something please let me know i'll, I'll give you the heads up don't worry i'll give you the heads up all right cool 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 um well listen um i know that through the book everything that i haven't even talked about or had time to talk about today um has is just leading you on a path to the advertising hall of fame uh we're going to claim it and i know it's going to happen but a midway point to that is the Advertising Hall of Achievement. So I do want to talk about that. You were um, inducted in 2014, and um, obviously it's a time where you had a, a company of people that you admired in your career around you. I believe that your family was there. They flew in. You had friends um, just, just screaming uh, to the top of their lungs. Can you take us back to that night? Um, as much as possible of what you remember, or even beforehand of when you got the call that you were going to be inducted. Yes. Oh, I do look. That was um, you talk about testimony. You know that that was that was the moment for me. Um, it was really quite transformative. You know, um, at the end of 2013, my husband passed away from cancer uh, six months after he was diagnosed, and my daughter was four. As I said, we were living in in New York. I was you know, doing really well in my career at Pepsi. It, it felt like everything was perfect, you mm -hmm. know? And then uh, he died, which was not a part of our plan. <laughs> it was not what we wanted. And um, the trauma of that was one that I didn't know if I could ever crawl out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if you've been knocked down so hard that you lost your breath, you know, that you really don't know <laughs> what you're going to do the next day, that's what it felt like. You know, and that's not, I'm not even trying to be light about it or, I mean, it, it knocked, it literally knocked the breath out of me, you know? And there were days when um, it felt like, you know, just putting one foot in front of the other was, was not even possible, mm -hmm. you know? But I had always enjoyed my career. I always enjoyed this work, you know? Um, I felt so connected to people and it really became, and look, this is, I'm not even kidding. Like it was my lifeline. You know, being able to connect to something that felt like, ah, you know, there's, if I reach out my hand, there's somebody in the void, you know, that every day that I was able to create some communication that felt joyful, felt optimistic, even if, even if I wasn't feeling it, it yeah. helped pull me out just a little bit. And um, 
the work was really saving my life. And then came the call. <laughs> you know, that like this work that I had been doing to really save myself was what was going to be recognized. And it was miraculous to me. You know, and I think that's again why I so firmly believe that we've got to do the things that matter for us. You know, that no, if you try to just do the thing to please somebody else, please your boss, or please, you know, the person who's going to give you that next promotion, or, you know, your colleague that you're trying to beat, you won't make it. Yeah. That's not actually what's going to be recognized. You know, it had to come from the very depths of my soul in order to have the opportunity to shine. You know, and so that moment was, um, it was almost like a boon. It felt like the universe looking at me and saying, see, told ya, <laughs> told ya, count on yourself, do this work for you. You don't, don't do it for anybody else now. So it gave me the confidence, not just standing on the stage and accepting you an award in front of, like you said, my family and dear friends, not just personally, but in the industry, you know, folks cheering and applauding. And it felt like triumph. Mm. It felt like triumph. It felt like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to keep going. Now, it's not always, right, that you need accolades. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you do things and nobody's cheering for you. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you do something, you're just like, ah, damn, like I did this great thing. Nobody has, nobody saw it, nobody cared. No, no likes on Instagram. No, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, but it, I know that uh, for me, there is no work in this. There's no joy in this without doing it for myself. I love that. Listen, you all, this is the last episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine for season two. I would not want it to end it any other way, um, but ending it this way. And so, um, you know, in uh, June uh, of 2020, you started um, this amazing platform called Share the Mic that actually really inspired this show. And um, this is a full circle moment for me. And I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to share my mic with you. Um, oh. It has been an honor. It has been a privilege. I appreciate the work that you are doing and the work that you have done and to come. I mean, we're talking about those five books. So whew, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Pen game on point. But thank you so much. Any thank final you. words before we close? Oh, well, I'm just, um, I'm very thankful. You know, this is a, a season of gratitude for me. Um, I turned 45 in January and um, I was with a bunch of girlfriends, you know, sitting at a table in Cabo, enjoying our luxurious blackness, Love you it. know? And um, I was just, I was overwhelmed with gratitude, you know, feeling so thankful for not just the life that I live, but the people who are in my life, you know, for the opportunities that I have, uh, for being able to overcome, you know, and push through. And so even as I continue on in this stage of my life, you know, new phase, you know, post 4.5 loading, you know, that, um, I'm very, very grateful, you know, and so I'm grateful even for the joy that I choose to have every day. And perhaps that's the biggest lesson for me, you know, in this moment is that uh, I wake up and I choose joy. That's it. I love it. I love it. 
Thank you so much once again to the advertising or the American Advertising Federation for partnering with us for season two. Um, this is so sad to end the season, but uh, we will be back for season three. You better believe that. So as always, drink a lot of water and remember that you deserve a dose of black joy. Until next time, my friends, take care.